G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. We're turning our attention to that other big issue that has come along with the global pandemic. It's the dramatic rise of anxiety and depression. Around the world, anxiety has been measured at a massive 25% increase. Over the past couple of years, we've become aware of just how debilitating anxiety can be for many Australians. It continues to place immense pressure on mental health services. Those who suffer anxiety often describe a constant fight-or-flight battle, leaving them feeling exhausted. It is a hot topic, so we're turning our attention today to a Christian response to anxiety and depression. Two guests to introduce us to, Nicholas Marks, who is CEO of the Australian Institute of Family Counselling, the AIFC, and also Chris Cipollone, who is a pastor, speaker and author of the book called Down, Not Out, Depression, Anxiety and the Difference Jesus Makes. And uh, recently we are talking about a new podcast series as part of the Council Culture podcast and around the issue of anxiety that's led to a conversation like this one today. But let me make a special welcome, uh, Nicholas Marks, a special welcome along to you. Hi, Neil. Uh, thank you so much for having uh, me on. It's a pleasure to be back with you and looking forward to our discussions today. And Chris Cipollone, welcome to you. Thank you, Neil. And can I say you've absolutely nailed the pronunciation of my surname. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, some listeners might remember, but it's quite a long time ago now. We have had you on before, Chris, and I think it was around the time of the launch of your book, Down, Not Out, Depression, Anxiety and the Difference Jesus Makes. And uh, as I recall, you told your own story in that. So perhaps that's a good way to start off our conversation today. In a nutshell, Chris, uh, just give us an insight into your story. Yeah, sure thing. And thank you for having me on again. And of course, that was all pre-pandemic. Little did we know what was around the corner (laughs) the last time we spoke. Uh, Yes, so my story involves a a history of living with depression and anxiety, but also a, a professional career, if you like, of working as a pastor. And so trying to work through both of those realities, and it really culminated six weeks before I was due to finish my uh, Bible college degree, when I voluntarily checked into a psychological hospital, uh, very much a low point in my life, but also an extremely clarifying point in my life where I realized that uh, my faith, while not the sum total of how I needed to think through my mental health challenges, if I didn't do meaningful reflection in the faith space, I was going to miss out on a lot. And and consequently, thinking through that, reflecting, writing, speaking, I am 100% convinced that uh, our good gospel of Jesus Christ speaks into the mental health challenges very, very meaningfully. 
Nicholas, as the CEO of the Australian Institute of Family Counselling, and you've got a fabulous organisation has been going a long, long time too. Uh, when the pandemic hits and uh, the rise of anxiety and depression, what does that do for people who are enrolling and trying to make sense of not only their own lives, but uh, training because they recognise there's a huge need in the community? What's happened with AIFC over these past couple of years? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Thanks for asking that, Neil. I, I think we, we have seen increases in anxiety and depression in the past two years in particular. I think it was increasing prior to that, but it's certainly uh, even more so given the nature and conditions of, of what's been happening the past few years. We actually did have more people expressing interest in learning more about this, and I think that can be a natural response, and, and even an increase in, in students. Uh, and I think that's people wanting to be equipped in themselves for, for their own benefit and for their own well-being and so they can go out and help others because they, they care about people around them, their family and friends. And as, as probably as we'll talk about today, find ourselves quite quickly going, I'm dealing with some things here that I'm not sure how to navigate or what to say. And so we want to get uh, equipped in a Christ-centred way, as Chris alluded to, uh, and with the skills and, and equipping to be able to uh, to really help others and not get out of our depth and or you know make it worse for the person or as we talk about just not say the wrong thing so there's definitely been an increase in the past two years that's for sure let's talk about this christ-centered way of looking at anxiety and depression uh, chris uh, a christ-centeredness you said uh, you had meaningful reflection in the faith space uh, some people will be saying, well, what would be the difference uh, if I just go along with some sort of secular counselling? Uh, surely that'll be just as good as having a Christian counselling. But there's got to be some different dimension, even a powerful dimension that comes with a faith space and understanding God and his presence in our circumstances. How do you describe the difference uh, that comes with uh, including God in your, uh, in your reflection on anxiety and depression? Yes, yeah, certainly. And, and let me say, I've benefited greatly from, I guess, in inverted commas, secular therapy, uh, secular psychology, and I readily recommend people at uh, the church where I pastor to do that. Um, at the same time, though, if we don't consider the faith space in conjunction with that, then we miss something important. And I guess the heart of that is asking the question of, who am I? And, and that's that's an abstract question in a way. Uh, but the Bible helps us answer that quite concretely. And, and the verse that I draw on there, and really the thesis of the book, is found in 1 John chapter 3, when, when John says, See what uh, great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. And, and so with that uh, framework of understanding that more than a pastor in my case, more than a speaker or an author or whatever other ways you define yourself – if you are first and foremost a child of God, then that has to impact how you see yourself in times of plenty and especially, in fact, in times of need because you still have dignity, purpose, you are loved at a time when, frankly, you don't really feel loved, you don't feel like you have a lot of purpose or dignity. The Bible is saying to you, your worthiness has not changed because of what Jesus has done for you, and that's possible in all seasons. So this dignity we have, because we know God, because we recognize that our identity is in him, that's actually a powerful starting point. That's a really wonderful foundation. I wonder, uh, Nicholas, how do you sort of interweave that into the sort of training you guys do uh, when you're preparing people to counsel when it comes to issues around anxiety and depression? 
Yeah, it's uh, and just just picking up on something Chris said there, it's it is what we call an integrationist approach where. Um, what what we we know and have learned is that people, um, whether they're going through uh, issues with their mental health or are in a care or a professional role, want to integrate it with their faith so that they're not mutually exclusive to one another. And so it's the whole person in terms of our our mind, body, and spirit. And so we that's threaded through our teaching in terms of as Chris just touched on who we are in Christ and our identity and what the Bible says about um, us as people and our relationships with God, our relationship with self and our relationship with others and when things in life you know, go wrong or there are difficulties or infirmities that we experience. And as we're reminded in Hebrews 4.15, we do not have a high priest who is unable to have compassion um, on our infirmities. So we know that Christ has been through and experienced what we go through and i think that's the wonderful beauty of christianity and and the god we know and serve who's been where we are and there's great comfort that comes from that and so that teaching is integrated with um the with the latest evidence-based um uh, from the world of psychology i just want to make a point there though is we always hold the bible in that higher authority so that there if there's something in the world of psychology that we find to be inconsistent or in, in opposition to what the scripture says we always take the bible as that higher authority over the other which is important and there are great advancements in the world of psychology that can be extremely as chris alluded to very helpful for us in understanding ourselves and receiving therapy and help if and when we need it and that when it comes to depression that that help can be in the form of medical therapies it can be in the form of um, psychological or counseling uh, sometimes called talking therapies, or, or it can come in the form of lifestyle or social changes as well. It tends to sit in those three categories. So we integrate those into our course from a, uh, to benefit the person who's being uh, taught and trained and equipped and for them to go out as a um, highly skilled practitioner and therapist with this transformation and change that's gone first and foremost within themselves so they can go out and then help others in their struggles as well and we all have these from time to time in our lives let's be really honest is we all go through hard times whether it's around anxiety um, or periods of depression which can be short and episodic or, or can be longer lasting which we might touch on let's talk about uh, all going through times that mm. are hard times uh, because some people might think this is a sort of a fairly recent thing you know we talk about a rise in anxiety and depression uh, and people think oh hang on a second there's a, there's a big outbreak here and it must be something mm. that's based on just things that have happened in recent times but back into the scriptures here because some people might think I wonder what the Bible actually uh, describes by way of hard times and uh, if we were reading through any of the stories of the leaders of the Old Testament and into the New, hard times is not something new at all. Uh, hard times, anxiety, even depression will be present there even in those biblical accounts. Chris, you've done some fairly significant sort of uh, thinking about these sorts of things. How do you describe uh, the Bible and uh, the, the connections there with anxiety and depression that we might see in some of those biblical characters? Yes, certainly. I mean, and, and if you even 
zoom out a little bit further from the characters themselves and look at the claims of God about the world and the, the position that it's currently in, we live in a fallen world and a fallen world is going to involve suffering. And so when you start zooming in on some of those biblical characters and you think uh, particularly of, of people like Job, uh, even King David in the Psalms regularly speaks in a very melancholy way, as we might have called it in a former generation, uh, you certainly see that while the term depression is not there, you see a darkness of spirit and a darkness of heart with many of these figures, and yet they can still claim faith in God. And I think particularly of Psalm 13 is one that I go to quite often when the psalmist says, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? I mean, if that doesn't summarize what depression feels like in my experience, I don't know what does. And and yet in the very same psalm, and it's only a short one, he says that I can still sing the Lord's praises. And so this this beautiful reality that we do not need to be stoic. We know that we live in an imperfect world. And so when we are consumed with our thoughts and our feelings, whether they're depressive or anxious or something else, in some ways it confirms what God says to expect of the world. And yet we're also not, by the same token, fatalistic about it. And we don't have to give up hope because there's another reality at play that God very, very often does his greatest work in our hearts in the difficult times, and also the reality that we know that there will come that day when there's no more crying and no more pain. So uh, both in this life and the next, suffering does not have to be um, a prohibitor to having faith in Jesus. In fact, I would argue that often it helps us worship in an even more pure way. And no doubt uh, there is a door open when you know that someone's going through anxiety, depression or some level of suffering uh, where they'll be able to call on the power of Almighty God to come and be a part of their lives and help to perhaps ease the predicament that they find themselves in. Hey, congratulations, Nicholas, on the new Council Culture podcast that you're running with the Australian Institute of Family Counselling. The very first one you did was, how do you talk to someone uh, when they're facing anxiety? So I wonder whether we might just sort of touch on, on, uh, is there a a particular way? Because not everyone listening to us is, uh, is actually suffering anxiety, but we all might know someone who is. How do you approach the idea of talking to someone when you know that they're suffering anxiety and depression? Yeah, yeah. Thank you, and we're we're really thrilled to be able to uh, have worked on this podcast and and having it out there, um, with a view to just having these conversations around, uh, you know, things that we uh, go through in life. And obviously, we thought that one on anxiety would be really timely at the moment, given the past couple of years. And anxieties are, are really a we feel it in our body. It's a sense of worry of the future or a dread. Or uh, it does have a quite a future focus to it, but. And I think there's a, an increase in anxiety that we're seeing now. And so it's, it's very relevant to talk to people about that and what they're experiencing. But we don't always um, know what to say or how to do that well. So I think there are some important things. Perhaps it's good to talk about some of the things not to say. Um, generally speaking, unless it's invited, uh, we don't want to be giving advice to the person, um, nor, nor being dismissive. Uh, it's also... Scripture can be incredibly helpful and edifying and beneficial to us, but we don't want to be quoting Scripture out of context to people um, or implying that maybe their anxiety or depression, for that matter, is a matter of you just don't have enough faith and you need to increase your faith and everything will be fine. 
These are things that we go through from time to time. And as you and Chris just touched on, they can be times of immense growth uh, and opportunity where our heart is open to God, as Chris said, in a pure form of worship. And not to um, sugarcoat them, they can be incredibly hard times where we're wrestling with who am I? What's going on in my life? Is this ever going to end? So I think if people listening know it's either themselves or they know people in their life who are struggling with anxiety at the moment, I just want to use a word called presence. And presence is incredibly important. It's something we spend a lot of time on in our courses and teaching is how do we um, increase and build our presence with other people? Um, give you a small example, a short story. I was with someone recently and we were together for about 90 minutes and it was just a general catch up. During that time, the person I was with didn't ask me one question. And uh, I listened, listened, I thought, they're going to ask something soon. The point I'm making is being fully present with somebody and being interested in them, curious in them, and just showing most of all that you care and you're there for them. That's incredibly powerful for somebody when they're going through something. You don't have to have all the answers. Um, if they invite you in to help them, I think it's good to encourage them to be curious with what they're feeling. As you mentioned right at the start now, we can tend to go into a fight or a flight mode. I'm going to defeat this. I'm going to, it's, I'm going to get rid of it out of my life or we'll run from it. And generally speaking, neither of those to tend to work, work out that well. And so it's becoming comfortable, if you like, with what are quite uncomfortable feelings and emotions that are going on within in, inside us. And so having people around us that we can talk to, share with, and are just there for us, which is particularly hard, I might say, when we've been through a pandemic where we've been isolated. You know, the, we need people in our life. Transformation, it, it happens in relationship. And the very thing that's happened in this pandemic is we've been isolated from one another. And in fact, we've been told not to go near people because you might catch something from them that could kill you. And so there are very, very strong messages coming against this. And so it's, we need people in our life. Uh, anxiety thrives in isolation. And so it is being intentional as best we can, having people in our life and, and inviting them in, even when it's hard. And we may even have a sense of shame about what we're feeling, um, but there's a liberation and a freedom when we can just let some of these things out and invite people in to come and help us. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Two special guests with us, Nicholas Marks, he's CEO of the Australian Institute of Family Counselling, and Chris Cipollone, pastor, speaker and author of the book Down Not Out, Depression, Anxiety and the Difference Jesus Makes. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. You might have a question, a comment, you might have your own story. 1-800-316-316. Nicholas and Chris, and if I come to you, Chris, on this issue of the church and what role the church plays in people's mental health, dealing with anxiety and depression, almost every church is going to have people who are battling some of these things. Chris, as you're in a pastoral role too and a speaker and author, how does the church respond in a day when when anxiety is on the rise? Yeah, thank you. And I think the church has a huge role to play as long as it understands what that role is and, and by extension, what the role is not. And, and Nick touched on it uh, briefly before about things not to say or things not to try to do. I think understanding the church's boundaries 
while also asserting that the church has a very important role. And so the way that I would broadly divide that up, and this is based on my experience and as I've thought through it some more, um, when you see a counsellor, a psychologist, a psychiatrist even, their primary role there in that context is to treat you. They are there to, to diagnose, to speak into and to help in that context. Uh, very, very helpful role. In terms of what the church is there to do, I believe the church is there to love. And, and that's really uh, the two great commandments, the whole law and the prophets are summed up. And that's in many ways a higher call, I think, because it, it's a longer term role. It's one that potentially has less boundaries, although boundaries are very important. And so the idea of, I think, walking side by side is a very important uh, metaphor or picture, if you like, where it's, it's, it's walking with someone in, in the peaks and the troughs as Nick said, without wanting to uh, try to fix somebody, without even wanting to diagnose, definitely not. That's not your role. Uh, and I guess walking beside looks like consistency, in my opinion. Um, if, if you play golf with somebody and you know them and, and you know they're in a depressive state, keep offering to play golf. Uh, keep offering to go out for coffee. Whatever you did before, keep being present, keep being consistent, show again that the person is loved because they are loved, they're a child of God, not because they are particularly easy or difficult at a particular time, uh, not because the relationship is easy or difficult, but because you are going to love that person with the same love of Christ. And, and that is a consistent, steadfast, side-by-side kind of love. Wonderful insight. Let's squeeze in a quick call. Terence is on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. Hi, Terence. Welcome. Morning, gents. Uh, excuse my voice, please. I've, I've got a bit of a sore throat at the moment. It's okay. Need to be fairly quick here, Terence. Uh, did you have a question or a thought? Well, I felt I could contribute to the conversation. I'm approaching my 70th year. I had extreme mental health issues. Um, I was diagnosed with, uh, well, I had social phobia for a start, and then I had um, I was diagnosed with a bipolar illness. Now, uh, in your talk, you said, um, and I'm looking for the quote here, but the quote basically said, um, the value, oh, I'm convinced that the good doctrine of the gospel of Jesus Christ speaks into the mental health field very well. I think Chris said that. Is that right, Chris? That's right. You've quoted me well. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's been worked out in my situation. Year by year, now it hasn't been an instant liberation. I would have loved it to be an instant liberation. But, mm. but the struggles that I've gone through and the liberation that basically has come as a result have enabled me now to lead a life where I'm free of medication, I'm free of any intense um, hospitalization or other therapies. I function sort of in terms of that I um, contribute in some volunteer capacity. Terence, because we're just short of time here, I wonder uh, what are the special things that you think have contributed by way of you know God and His presence, uh, the Scriptures or the Church? What are those special things that have contributed to your increasing good mental health? Oh well, no, no doubt it's uh, it's God, the Holy Spirit. I'm quite convinced uh, uh, He knew He knew when I was born. He knew. He uh, obviously his love means an immense amount to me. I'm only beginning to realise that he does love me, and um, it, it's just immense. Uh, I, I, it's it's God. It's God. It's grace. You know, you know it's, everything is grace. 
to you, uh, Nicholas, and to Chris. Just before the news, we heard from Terence. And something that Terence said, uh, knowing that I'm loved, uh, one of the keys to appreciating the work of the Holy Spirit in his life as he's gotten on top of his own anxiety issues. I'm just wondering here, and I'll come to you here on this one, Chris, because it seems to be that the church actually is an organisation that is primed to love people. And uh, so if that was Terence's experience, if you're going through tough times, my suspicion is church is a good place to start to find someone who can love you through your experience. Any thoughts here, Chris? Yeah, well, I certainly hope it is. Uh, it should be. Uh, yeah, look, t- what Terence said is is simple on the one hand, but I think it's actually at the heart of the Christian response to this issue. And the reason for that is when you when you are struggling in your mental health, and if you have never been through it before, um, one of the things that can often happen is you feel completely unlovable. Um, you're you're sick of being inside your own head. You know how much of a pain you are to other people. It's just not very easy to like yourself, quite frankly, because you're constantly at war in your mind and you're annoyed at your inability in all sorts of ways. So uh, self-love, self-compassion, these are not things that are high in your consciousness. And so to have a different narrative spoken over you, both in terms of that that core gospel truth that you are loved and, and then the manifestation of that in a Christian community, in the power of the Holy Spirit, that whether you are at your, the height of your abilities or you're in the darkness of depths, that you are still loved. You know, Neil, we live in a meritocracy. We live in a society that says we will promote you if you do well. We will revere you if you are successful. You know, the, the church's narrative is different. It's, it's the blessed are the meek, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. There is a different economy that goes on. And it's, it's a narrative that we need to be able to speak into people's lives because it's desperately what they need when they're in the depths of depression and anxiety. Uh, let me ask you here, Nicholas, if we're talking the church context here for a moment because some people might be thinking, well, I haven't got as close of friends as I might think I might need to love me through my times of being in these depths in church. But there's something special that happens in church. You've got a pastor or a priest who becomes a little bit like a pastoral care oversight. And uh, even if you haven't got someone close, you've always got that pastor there. So you've got close friends, close contacts that could love you through a time of difficulty in church life, but you've also got this pastoral oversight. And it's like the pastor is everybody's best friend in church. Nicholas, any thoughts here about the value of the pastor for being that friend? Yeah, let me just firstly do a shout out to pastors and, um, you know, it's been a a big couple of years for them in working outside their strength zones and this increase in uh, mental health related issues. So there's a lot going on in this space. There's a lot uh, happening within the body of Christ and it is a big role for pastors. And so it's it's important for them, I think, to um, be equipped in and of themselves. That comes to mind as being important for their own self-care for pastors. So I just want to put that out there because pastors and leaders experience these things as we all do. And so that's really important in looking out for our pastors. And for those who are going through this, who are part of a church in the church membership is, again, as we've talked about today, is having those conversations and, and just taking that first step, if it's something that you haven't done yet, and having a conversation with your pastor or someone within the church leadership or that, that pastoral oversight role 
and just sharing how you're going. You know, often, particularly us guys, um, now I'm talking on a bell curve here, not always, but particularly us guys, will tend to wait until it gets to some sort of crisis point. It, that's not an uncommon story. Um, whereas uh, women tend to um, dive into these things at an earlier stage to men, generally speaking. And so it's important, I think, um, for men and for women, but I just want to particularly mention this for men out there, is to have this conversation early because we will tend to wait until something's about to blow up or we're reaching rock, rock bottom and we can hear it sort of scraping on the bottom. So just reaching out early and say, hey, I'm not doing too well and I'm having these sorts of feelings and start that conversation. That in itself is liberating. And then what it happens is, you know what, it, it invites the pastoral team, the pastor, others in to just have that conversation with you and it starts a process. And you know what, it starts to give other people permission too because sometimes others can be inspired by the fact that you've come out and, and, and stated this. And, and, and it's not uncommon then to see others go, hey, you know what, that's something I experienced five or six years ago or I'm going through something similar. And then we feel an encouragement because another aspect of some of these issues around anxiety and depression, as Chris touched on, is you can think, it's just me. I'm not doing well enough here. Why am I always struggling with these sorts of things? Others don't seem to be dealing with this when, in fact, that's really not the case. It's, and we know that with Elijah. We saw him in the Old Testament. He was thinking he was the only one. And uh, God said to him, you know, there's, there's a lot of others out there. Perhaps your thinking isn't right and then he led him into a place of rest and restoration and, and helped him go on his way with the next stage of what he had for him. So reaching out that first step, often the hardest, but gee, it can be really helpful. We are taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Jade is in Western Australia. Hi, Jade. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Very well, Jade. What are your thoughts? Do you have a question or a comment? Um, Just a comment. I've been struggling with my mental health um, for most of my life um, and the last year has been of Joe-like proportions for me. I've lost all but everything, so the anxiety is, is quite high. Um, but what I find, um, what I've found over my life is that there's, there doesn't seem to be a longevity of support within the church, that's generally speaking, because there are some that do it well and some that could do have improvement. So you'll get the initial, initial rushes of um, support, but then it, it tapers off and then you're left feeling uh, lonely again. Chris, you've got some uh, thoughts to add here, no doubt, for Jade. Uh, sometimes uh, just getting a long-term support is not so easy, even in church. Uh, what are your thoughts here for Jade, Chris? Yeah, I mean, my my first reaction is, you know, I'm shaking my head and saying, "Oh no!" So, Jade, I'm 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 sorry that's been your experience, and in both, uh, not just I'm a pastor, but I'm also a have been a congregation member for many years too, and and that has been a similar experience for me. And I, I guess my message in return is probably not actually to Jade, but to the rest of the listeners, because Jade has identified a real issue, because as I was saying before, you you don't feel lovable. And when you are, if, if you like, conditionally loved or finitely loved, like Jade is saying, and after a while it just kind of falls back into the, the background or it becomes too hard, it, it can actually compound those, 
those self-narratives, the, the unhelpful ones. And I guess my message for those listening and uh, one, one of the biggest things I realised is, you know, we, we have this saying that we should see a doctor for a broken leg, so we should see a doctor for depression. And it's a great saying in that it's trying to drop the stigma around mental health. It's just as legitimate as a physical ailment. But, but where it falls short and what Jade is touching on is, and actually uh, the previous caller mentioned something too about it's been a long road. Uh, mental illness mostly is a chronic illness, whereas a broken leg is an acute illness. And so if you're walking with someone and you think, oh, let's just get you to one doctor's appointment, let's get you on one prescription, you know, and, and it will all be right as rain, then you're going to be set up for disappointment. And so what Jade is, is talking about is real. And what it means for the rest of us is we need to have very realistic expectations going into this, that this is a slow burn. It's not often a meal roster kind of ministry. It's a walking side by side consistently, regularly. I'm not talking every day, but just checking in every couple of months even can be can do the trick rather than going in full guns blazing early and then letting it peter out can actually do more damage than good. Jade, while I've got you on the line, I wonder if you're uh, happy to share another insight or two from your experience. When you said you've had a Job-like experience, it's almost like uh, nothing more could go wrong <laughs> than has already gone wrong. I wonder what this has done for your, for your own faith in that time, even though you might have felt that people in church might not have been there in the way that maybe they should have. What's this done for your faith? Well, in the beginning, when it <clears throat> happened last, when they all started crumbling last year and our family was torn apart, um, that just made me question God to the point where I questioned if He was even real, because it just was blow after blow. I lost my job, I have a sick daughter. Um, there was just uh, a lot of things. Uh, she was in and out of hospital, and I was doing it on my own. And I questioned the goodness of God, um, which I'm not proud of, but in that moment that I couldn't see how a loving God could allow so much but um, that changed and I've seen him um, provide for me and be there for me and I have to say that one of the especially when it felt like I had no one one of the biggest blessings has been the vision prayer line which I call daily um, sometimes twice a day when my anxiety is bad and there's someone on the other end of the line to pray with me um, not offer advice, but to actually just pray with me or read a scripture over me. Um, and having vision on my radio, I have it on my um, mini speakers just playing in the house, just flooding my house. Um, and, you know, picking out my Bible and, and reading and doing a devotion or the word of the day. So um, I am seeking God and I am finding Him. Um, I still... I have a bit of questions over what's been allowed in my life, but I have to believe that it's for his greater good and glory and that um, he'll work all things together according to his purposes and um, because he loves me, that means something good will come out of this. Well, Jade, I wonder whether, uh, do you mind if we just pause for a moment and perhaps, uh, you know, pray for you? Is that okay? Oh, I would love that. Please pray for me and my family. We need it. (laughs) Well, uh, let me ask Nicholas. Uh, Nicholas, are you able to lead uh, just a uh, just a quick prayer, but uh, certainly a prayer for Jade? And no doubt there'll be lots of others who are 
uh, in the similar sort of boat to Jade and uh, just uh, really look for a touch from God. And Nicholas, I wonder whether you'd lead us uh, in a quick prayer here for Jade. Mm, sure, I certainly would. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, um, we thank you that we can pray to you in all seasons and at all times. And uh, we thank you that we can pray together now. And we pray uh, to you as a loving God. And we pray to you on behalf of Jade and her family. Uh, we thank you for her openness in sharing where she's at, Lord. And uh, we just thank you for who she is and that you've um, you created her, Lord. You formed her. Uh, and you, you're saying to her, do not fear for I've redeemed you, I've called you by name and you're mine. So I just, uh, just want to encourage Jade in that reminder that she belongs to you, Lord, and that her identity is in Christ, uh, where her life is hidden. And Lord, we don't always know why you limit yourself when it, with regards to our suffering. Um, these are complex areas of suffering and hope, but we thank you that you are so faithful and when we look back over a life, we know that you have been with us the whole time. We do pray for healing for Jade. Um, we pray for um, people around her to support her. And we pray for her life in Christ. And just thank you again, Lord, for her opening up and being vulnerable here today. And we pray uh, for her continued healing, but also the blessing this can be for others to hear her story and to share her story. So we lift her up to you today, Lord, and we just... Uh, thank you for her very life and this opportunity to pray a blessing over her today, Lord, in all that she is and does. In your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Jade, thank you so much for calling in and sharing your heart with us. Thank you so much for the work that you do and for opening this um, discussion within a Christian context. It's very much needed, so it's, it's a blessing. Thank you. God bless you, Jade. you, Jade. And Jade mentioned vision prayer, and uh, there are something in the vicinity of up to 3,000 prayer requests that come into the vision prayer line each month. And for listeners who want to jot down a number, if you think you're needing prayer right now, here's the number you can call, 1-800-772-936. That's one 800 772-936 that's the vision prayer line uh, we're running out of time now uh, coming back to Nicholas for a few moments here mm. because uh, every listener who's hearing uh, our conversation uh, will be interested in how they can perhaps even get better prepared to deal with these sorts of things whether it's in your own family or in your local church um, just even just hold a line on that because I'll get you, I'll get some detail about how listeners can connect with uh, Australian Institute uh, of Family Counselling. But let's take another call quickly. Philip is in Adelaide. Hello, Philip. Welcome along. Philip, are you with us? Yes. Philip, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, just had a, a bit of a thought and a question to go with it. Um, I'm sort of in my low thirties and thought, you know, you know. I'm pretty resilient and um, wouldn't probably ever really go through any mental issues or anything like that, but circumstances happen and things, we go through things in life and I've found myself um, getting some help recently, which has been great, but um, my question's more relating to people that uh, I'm surrounded by and family members and peers and whatnot um, that, I've, that I'm surrounded with. Um, and when you identify a person that, you know, sort of needs help, whether it be a believer or not, probably in this conversation more so a believer, but um, how could you encourage somebody to 
um, to get help without sort of a, a, offending them? Or what, what sort of thoughts could you share on encouraging people around someone who is obviously needing help? Good stuff. Chris Cipollone, uh we talked about presence earlier and uh, sensitivity around this issue. What are your thoughts for Philip? Yeah, it's a great question and it's true that once you start going through something, you, it's easy to see things in other people and you start seeing similarities and yeah, the question is how do you not try and diagnose somebody but how do you show that uh, you're there for them and uh, you've noticed some things and I, and I think that's the key. I think um, framing it as an observation rather than a diagnosis uh, in pastoral ministry, something that I find myself often saying is, look, I may be wrong about this, but I'm just noticing some changes and uh, do you want to speak into that? And, and just, I suppose, putting it there on the table as a question rather than a statement lets the other person speak into it. Uh, you, you haven't already formed your conclusions, but you're willing to talk about it. And if they do take you up on that offer or they do affirm your assumptions, I mean, one of the best things you can do if they, if they are open to getting help is get them to their GP. Uh, there's a lot of uh, money being put into public mental health care. Telling uh, a GP what's going on can, can funnel you into a psychologist or a counsellor. Um, and so I suppose starting with a conversation rather than a statement is just a tonal thing that would help. And then if there is openness to getting help at GP, if there's not openness, you know, at the end of the day, you can't um, force somebody. And that's an important boundary that we need to put on ourselves spiritually, that we can't save people. We can only love people. And even if you're 100% convinced, um, you can merely point out and suggest you, you can't convince somebody. And so uh, framing it as a question and then following it up with a GP uh, would probably be my concrete tips in those kinds of situations. Philip in Adelaide, thank you so much, Philip, for calling through. And uh, time is running short now. For those listeners who are thinking, uh, well, how do we prepare for this? How do I get confident to be able to deal with those issues that I can see are on the rise, uh, perhaps in my local church or in my wider community? People not going to church because maybe that's one of the reasons they don't go to church. It might be because they're suffering anxiety. It might be because they're suffering from depression. And I guess that's the Statistics for uh, what might be happening into the future mean that this issue around mental health and anxiety and depression isn't going away. Uh, Nicholas, uh, for people wanting to prepare, uh, what sort of things have you got on offer at the Australian Institute of Family Counselling? Yeah, th- uh, thanks, thanks, Neil. Thanks to Philip for that question too. It was, it was really encouraging and, and spot on from, from Chris there. Um, and, and it's along that lines, I think, of... of being curious with mental health and and that's a really important part of it is having that curiosity and then taking that to that next step of going how do I equip myself for this and and we believe that every believer every person can be equipped to a certain level um, so that we can get alongside and help others because we don't always uh, know how to do that but there are things that we can learn about and so we we take that approach and, and and take that into our offerings and courses for that very reason, just to help equip people to get alongside, whether that's in a, a caring pastoral nature. So it can be in the form of short courses um, in active listening, uh, short courses in understanding the, the elements of mental health um, and pastoral care as to how do we then go about and do that right through to master's level of being an accredited counsellor, Christian counsellor and, and going into practice. And whether that involves doing that in a volunteer sense in your church or local community or opening up your own practice. So 
they're the important things I think at the moment. But I'd come back to that point of at this at this time and where this is going in terms of being spiritually, mentally, and emotionally healthy is being equipped in this area becomes so important. It's it's this might sound contradictory, but it's not enough just to have a caring heart. It's it's we want to have good intentions and a caring heart and have some skills and ability to go with that. So I can see um, with open eyes there's something going on in this person's life and be able to get alongside them in a helpful way, which might be uh, good conversations and questions and active listening and might be referring them on to somebody else, as Chris alluded to, if they want to receive that help. And so to have that and receive those skills, that's where we run these short courses, um, also the podcast at Council Culture, uh, right through to accredited courses at the diploma, uh, graduate diploma and master's level for people who want to put this into practice. Uh, and we believe that's something for every believer, including in the church now. And the church, as we've talked about today, has such a, a vital and important role to play in this space now and into the future. And we, and we want that to be um, a, a refuge for people and have people who have the skills and ability to get alongside others. Okay, time has run out and uh, two special guests today, Nicholas Marks, CEO of the Australian Institute of Family Counselling, AIFC. There is an aifc.com.au website and we mentioned too the new podcast series called Council Culture Podcast. Uh, the very first one was about dealing with the issue of anxiety and undoubtedly there'll be some tremendous topics uh, to be able to catch a hold of if you get a hold of that podcast and uh, be able to listen to those regularly. Uh, and also, uh, Chris Cipollone, uh, your book, Down, Not Out, Depression, Anxiety and the Difference Jesus Makes. I imagine listeners can get a hold of that if they Google that online. Absolutely. Uh, Amazon, uh, Kurong, all sorts of uh, retailers will have it both on Kindle and hard copy. Wonderful stuff. To uh, the two of you, thank you so much for taking some time to share your heart with listeners today. Nicholas Marks and Chris Cipollone, appreciate you being with us today on 2020. Thanks, Thanks, Neil. Thanks, Neil. Really appreciate it. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.